I'm going to talk about tonight is the helpers of the helper. And uh, so specifically angels, I'm going to help you to understand the angelic realm. Um, but I want to do these CYB statements. We do not worship angels. That's very important. John, uh, Jesus's favorite cousin and favorite of his apostles and disciples even fell into this. In uh, Revelation 19.10, he's, this angel comes and shows himself, and all of a sudden, John's bowing down and worshiping him, and the angel's like, hey, dum-dum, like, I'm not the worshiped one, you know. So we have, we have, there's a grace for it that, that we can uh, have those kinds of encounters and, and be in awe, but uh, we don't worship angels, um, especially because Paul said in Colossians 2.18 through 20, let me read that real quick. Um, he said, this to the Colossians, he says, Let no one keep defrauding you of the prize uh, by delighting in self-abasement abasement, and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and holding fast to the head, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with growth, which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why as if you were living in the world or alive in the world, do you submit yourself to his decrees? Good question, Paul. The context of uh, the Colossian uh, epistle, which is not an apostle's wife, an epistle is a letter. Um, as he as he writes this letter, he, what he's trying to do is get rid of syncretism. Now, syncretism is this... Uh, mixing of religions like i can be a buddhist christian or a uh, i can be in chrislam have you guys heard that yet it's actually a thing there's churches of chrislam where they're where they're trying to syncretize uh the gospel with islam and it doesn't work the jesus of islam is not our jesus so he's coming against this whole thing and saying hey people are bringing these crazy uh teachings in do not mix with the world. Verse 17 of Colossians is talking about the shadows and, and the higher and deeper revelations uh, of how like all these things that happen in the Old Testament are part of like a shadow coming into, into the new covenant. But Paul's warning is that uh, the people who use their authority in their life in a way that actually uh, is them using their authority to um, kind of take away what you've what you've put your life towards um it kind of like th these people use their authority uh these uh how does he say it <clears throat> man my voice grace i've got it i got it right behind me i can just feel it don't let them defraud you of your prize in other words don't let them uh take what you've thrown your life at because of because they're doing these things and they're trying to get you to do self-hatred which is like just like treating yourself poorly, even looking at yourself, looking down at yourself, uh, and angel obsession or angel worship, and they uh, obsess over these long, epic explanations of their uh, spiritual experiences that they've had. Don't let that pull you away from the important thing, which is Jesus the head. And so our focus is not angels, though I am going to talk about them tonight. Jesus is our focus. And Paul actually said to the Galatians, he said, uh, if, if a person or an angel even comes to you and preaches a gospel other than what I've taught, told you, a curse will come on that person or angel. It's like, like the word he uses is anathema, like let them be accursed. It is like a mega curse coming on them. Um, 
So that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Um, but we have the Holy Spirit. So, like, let's not get obsessed with, like, little spirits when we have the Holy Spirit. And we, what, we, what we really need is a deeper revelation and understanding and relationship with the Holy Spirit. In fact, John wrote uh, the whole book of First John specifically to combat this idea that there is, um, if you get these, this special secret knowledge, that all of a sudden you're, like, a mega Christian. It's called Gnosticism, and it's a, it's a cult, and it's, and it's actually trying to get back into the church today. There's this uh, elitism of, of spiritual knowledge, like, ooh, I heard that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, or this angel told this person, and so da da No, that, that is Gnosticism trying to get back into our churches, and it's something that we cannot tolerate. Angelic encounters do not make you special. Angelic encounters are not uh, are not there as the focus, but if an angel pushes you towards Jesus, which is the, their purpose, then they're doing their job. In fact, the most angel-rich uh, book of the Bible, book of Revelation, was started off as being labeled the revelation of Jesus Christ. So angelic encounters aren't bad unless they distract you from him. Third statement of my four that I want to cover my butt with. My purpose uh, tonight is to shine a light on something the Lord is doing. Uh, I'm not an expert in angelic encounters, but I do have a lot of experience with them uh, that I don't normally talk about, but I believe it's on God's heart. In fact, we talked about it at our home group uh, Tuesday night. Wednesday night, uh, Hosanna's group talked about angels, and you guys have had a discussion about angels in the last couple weeks or talked about angelic encounters. So it's on the Lord's heart. I think that that's pretty cool. I think he's highlighting it for a reason, because we need our assistance. Um, So we're going to go into some kind of normally pretty swirly stuff, um, but this is not an invitation to get weirder. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Mason, aw. But this is an invitation for you to grow up spiritually. This is an invitation for you to take your image-bearing sub-commander your place as an image-bearing sub-commander of the captain of heaven's army. I'm going to try to back this all up with scripture as much as I possibly can, and then you should do that with your own life. Okay, if you want, if you want a really good book, if you want a really good book on anything, Wayne Grudem wrote this uh, book called Systematic Theology. It's about this thick. Uh, it's 1,500 plus pages, and if you want to f- like defend yourself in an alley, it's really good for that. Or you can defend against heresy with it, whichever you prefer. Um, and if you do want his notes on this, which I, I gleaned some in this next section from that, uh, you can email me at vince at storehousedallas.com, and I will send you a copy of those pages so you can get a better whatever on it. So here's some keys to understanding the angels. First of all, they have inv- invisibility. Uh, since angels are spirits, uh, according to Hebrews 1.14, they are spiritual creatures, and they do not ordinarily, ordinarily have physical bodies, though they sometimes do take on uh, or manifest in physical form, like in Luke 24.39. Uh, normally unseen in their ordinary uh, activities of guarding and protecting us. They, they, uh, they're all around us. They're in this room. They, uh, Psalm 34.7 says the angels encamp around us and rescue us from problems that, that hit us. And one of the things I love about uh, the scriptures is we, if I say, what's a good psalm about uh, protection? 91. That's the first one you go to. Like, 
for those of us who have gone to that one a lot, um, yet another good one, which that would be my second one. But the Psalm of Divine Protection mentions that angels will guard us in all of our ways. That's Psalm 91, 11. Um, and this verse is so important that even the devil, when he, was, uh, when he was tempting Jesus, he tried to twist that scripture. Now, you know, if the, if the enemy is trying to like, twist a scripture, it's probably a pretty important scripture, don't you think? Especially if he's trying to twist it to the Messiah. <laughs> so pretty important. So, so that verse, uh, Jesus uh, is tempted using it, saying that, hey, won't the angels take care of you? Yes, they will, but that doesn't mean you have to be stupid. So, uh, angels, um, in Daniel 6, <clears throat> in Daniel 6, we see that an angel actually uh, kept the, the lion's mouth closed when it was going to try to eat Daniel. I'm sure Daniel wasn't going, oh, there's an angel there. He's probably going, please don't eat me. Your mouth is staying closed. This is good. And then in Acts 5 and Acts 12, we see two major escapes of the apostles who were in, uh, in like, captivity captivity what are they animals um in prison they're in prison they got out angels let them out get off me they're in the clink uh angels in their form angels are not image bearers this is really important though though their form is similar to men and at times in the scriptures it says and it was someone like a man it they are like a man they are not a man they do not have the image of god and that's why not being made in the image of God, they were not saved. They do not have access to salvation. You cannot save a demon. Don't try. It's really important. Because if you start getting, a, getting compassion for a demon, you're going to go into a bad, bad area. Angels have uh, rank and order. They actually have a military-style authority structure. Uh, many people uh, just want to have these... How many of you have ever heard somebody like... Gabriel came to me last night, or Michael. Like we want to have these. Like we only have to know of two of them by name, so we're like, well, three. We but we don't want Lucifer. Um, <laughs> no, thank you. Um, we're always like, I want, I want, a, I want Gabriel to come in and tell me something, because those are the only two we know. But there are literally billions of angels with different names, different purposes, different functions. Uh, Matthew eighteen ten actually says that children which you were a child once, so this applies to you, um, have their own angel that is uh, beholding the face of God. And so there actually is an angel assigned to each one of our lives. I'm going to get into that. At least one. Um, They are unilocational. Unlike the Holy Spirit, which is omnipresent, meaning is everywhere. So the Holy Spirit's over there. He's over there. He's in Timbuktu. He's right next to Barack Obama. He's everywhere. Um, Yes, he's with him. Um, Spirits are not that. They are in a single place at a single time, not because they have a body, but because that's just how they are. Angels uh, exist in one visible or physical place at a time. They are sent or delayed. If they can be sent or delayed, they then just can't pop up. You know what I mean? Like when when the angel, I think it's, uh, where is it? Daniel 10. Uh, Michael pops up to, to Daniel and he says, I was sent from the throne of God. And this guy, this Persia guy was in my way, and it took me 21 days. I'm sorry. Like, I imagine him being kind of tired after fighting with a principality. Don't fight with principalities. Um, if they can be delayed, then that means that there's, there can be a limitation to their getting somewhere, right? 
Also in uh, Luke one twenty six, Gabriel comes to Mary and he said, and it says, "I have been sent from God to you." You can't be sent somewhere if you can just kind of if you are everywhere. That makes sense. Okay, trying to get some logic going on in here. Uh, in terms of power, uh, they are not omnipotent like their creator. They are created beings, but they are specialized in their power and their realm of influence. So according to Hebrews 2, we are momentarily made lower than them until the second coming. So right now, uh, we are we're a little lower than, than the angels, meaning that they have more understanding and more access to, to power by nature of we haven't been glorified yet. But when he comes back and we get our glorified bodies, it's on like Donkey Kong. So we, we depend in part on their specialized expertise and uh, their help to accomplish the tasks that we were meant to perform. Because the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the hands of the sons of men. That's uh, Psalm 25, 2, 115, 16. I think, I think the other one was something similar also. Just trying to make sure I still look right. <clears throat> Here's a really important one. Uh, their relationship to humans, and this is really important. Hebrews 1.14 says that they are meant to serve us. Like, they are our helpers. They are the helpers of the helper's helper. So we've got, we've got the Holy Spirit, who is the helper, and we're helping him make his kingdom, take over the world, fulfilling uh, Revelation 11.15. But we need help, right? You ever tried to pray for something, and you just were like, I don't know how to pray for this. Somebody help me. That's what angels are for. Uh, we will eventually, according to Paul, uh, when he wrote to the Corinthians, he's re- like rebuking them for being so like carnally minded. He says, don't you know you're going to judge angels in 1 Corinthians 6? That's crazy. Like we think of like angels, like huge winged buff guys. Just think Jeremy with wings. <laughs> in a white robe the sash (laughs) but part of us walking more fully in the new covenant is us actually relating to things on earth as though it were it were as though it is as it's going to be so so when when uh jesus teaches us how to pray he says let it pray this on earth as it is in heaven now heaven eventually is going to come to earth and it's going to be one right jesus comes back one place so the New Jerusalem comes here. We're rocking it. It's awesome. Now, David did the same thing. David actually lived in the new covenant while living under the, uh, the life of the old covenant. He, he knew the Father's heart. He knew the grace under, he had understanding of grace, even though he was under the new testament, uh, the old covenant. So part of us walking in our authority and specifically partnering with angels uh, in what we're supposed to do is seeing that it's eventually going to be where we have authority to tell angels what to do and judge them and start walking in it now. They don't have a problem with that. We're image bearers. They want, they're here to help us. So do it. But we need to realize that they are not slaves. They're willing servants. They understand the kingdom way better than we, we do, um, and they're here to help us. They also recognize that God valued us enough to die for us, whereas he did not make a way for angelic salvation. That's 2 Peter 2.4. And according to Hebrews 13, uh, which actually is referencing a couple places, including Genesis 18 and 19, uh, we sometimes encounter angels and have no idea. 
I mean, I get that a lot. People are like, are you an angel? And it's like, no, I'm very handsome, but I'm not an angel. Thank you for the compliment. Officer. <laughs> Too far? Sometimes angels actually help us and guide us to our next step in God's plan. For example, in Acts 8, Philip is told by an angel to go to Gaza, where he ends up doing some awesome things. In Acts 10, Cornelius is, is told, you need to go find Paul, who's currently Saul and not saved. Come and get you saved. Come get you some. Acts 12, Peter uh, actually uh, is told by an angel to walk out of prison. He thinks it's just a dream, and so he's like, okay, this is a fun dream. I hope it actually happens. And he gets out, and he's like, wait, that was real. Can you imagine being in that kind of a atmosphere that they had back then? It's going to come to us, too. Acts 27, Paul is actually assured by an angel he's about to get shipwrecked, and everything's going crazy. And he says, don't worry. The angel tells him, your shipmates are, nobody's going to die. And so he can actually confidently say and prophesy to them, don't worry, none of you are going to die. And they're like, okay, thanks. Okay, so where are we talking about this? Well, the helper... Uh, needs our help, and we need the help of the helper's helpers. So um, saints have, have taken on the nature of the helper, but we're still immature in it. We, we need, how many of you know that your, your life, you're constantly going, I know I could do this better, but I have no idea how to do it. Or there's another level to my anointing, and I just don't know how to access it. Or there's, I, I need some wisdom in my business. Angels are there to help you. The angels are kind of like showing us the ropes on the kingdom. This is how you do it. Till we show them. <laughs> uh, it's actually wisdom, and it's becoming very necessary for us to prepare for uh, true revival. If the, if the Lord really is going to break into our city the way that we think he is, we need to actually like have an understanding of the kingdom and prepare uh our hearts and our understanding for uh, walking that out. So like the, the angels, it was so normal in the original revival that in, uh, was it Acts 12, uh, Peter gets out of prison, thanks to the angel, and he knocks on the door and the little girl is like, whoa, hey, Peter's at the door. They're like, it's just his angel. He's always coming around here this time of night. It was so normal to them to be accessing angels that they were just like, we know where Peter is at. He's in jail. And that was the original revival. That, that was the context. And so if we want to really walk in what we're called to, do, called to for this next thing that the Lord's doing, we need to be accustomed to the presence and participation of angels. And like Jeremy always says, I think he's quoting somebody else, but I like to quote him saying it because I heard him say it. You summon what you serenade. There's a reason I'm not talking about demons. Because I don't, I don't care about demons. Like, they're pesky critters that are to be pushed aside as we walk into the kingdom. Jesus wasn't afraid of demons. And he didn't focus on them. He would just tell them to shut up and go into the pigs and prepare some bacon, you know. So I had a... I had an encounter with an angel recently, 
And uh, ever since I, I was at Morningstar, <clears throat> the Lord told me that, that when I would take students like Chuck, um, actually, I probably told you, did you go to Chicago with me? What trip did you go with me on? Here. Here. There. So at the beginning of, uh, of these trips, I would always say, hey, just so you know, to all the students this, and they'd kind of look at me like, you're kind of arrogant. I'm like, mm, probably, but I'm right. Uh, I would say, when you come in into the context of one of these trips, your prophetic gifting is going to skyrocket. Because that's what I carry. I have an acceleration thing on my life. And they're like, cool. And then they get on the trip and they'd be like, oh my gosh, I can see everything. And all the demons are afraid of me. And, da, 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 and their prophetic gift is just off the charts. So then I have this, this encounter. And I knew that that was on me uh, for a while. <clears throat> but a few months ago, I have this encounter where I'm laying in bed. And... Out of nowhere, this head pops out, out of nowhere. And all I see is from, like, the chest up, and it's like a Muppet bird. And it's blue, like a, this really rich blue uh, feathers that were, like, made out of fur. and had a really a cool golden beak. And I kind of, it, it, like, looked around and went, and then just gone. I was like, what on earth or heaven was that? <laughs> so I, t- I was telling Jeremy, and we love puns because we're becoming old men, and that's what old men do. They love puns, and everybody who doesn't think they're funny can just away with you. So I, I was like, it's like, f- it, it was like fur, but it was feathers, and he's like, it's furthers, and I was like, further. It's the acceleration. That was the angel that has been with me for years and years and years, and he was assessing where I was at and giving me approval that I'm walking in the things I was supposed to do. It was just so cool. It's one of my one of my guys. <clears throat> okay, how many of you have ever heard my 10 barriers teaching, 10 barriers to living an encounter? Okay, I'm going to give a very shortened uh, version of this, um, and normally I would bring up 12 people up here and do a whole cool thing, but I'm just going to shorten it to four barriers and make it quick and easy because i got more things to say. So in order for you to, to really access the things of the Spirit, there's four main things that are standing in your way. And I can, I'm going to show you how those do not have to be in your way scripturally. So let's, let's categorize, let's just take care of the first barrier, which is called everything in all creation. Romans 8.38 says... Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So everything that's in God, nothing in all creation is in your way. So let's just say that you don't count in the everything in all creation. So then there's three parts to you, right? Body, soul, and spirit. Your body, according to Paul, he's living this radical life of going after the Lord. And he's he's talking about in 2 Corinthians 12, he's talking about this encounter that he has where he goes to heaven. He sees un. Uh, unspeakable things, and he's like, mind blown. And he says, whether in the body or out of the body, I have no idea, but I was there. So what that tells me is that your body is is inconsequential to you living an encounter. Because he's like, I'm there. Were you there with your body? Who cares? That's what he's saying in that verse. I had this vision. Did you... I saw this angel. Did you see it with your eyes? Who cares? Like, I saw an angel. And we'll get into that more. 
Then in 1 Corinthians, well, I guess before that, in 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking to the Corinthians again, and he's explaining salvation, and he says that we are one spirit with the Lord. So if you're mixed in one spirit, you know, you, you take orange juice and you take cranberry juice, you pour them into one thing, you have cran- orange juice. There's no way you're going to, like, separate those. Unless you know some life hack that should be on the internet, and that would be cool to watch. Then the only thing left is your soul. So your soul is like your mind, your will, and your emotions. The way that you think, the way that you emote, and the way that you make decisions. How you live your life, your emotions that you embrace, and the thoughts that you think actually are the determining factor of whether or not you're able to access the things of the Spirit. How you live your life. If you don't spend time alone with God, you can't actually spend time alone with God. You actually have to get away from people to be alone with God. It's just kind of logical, I think. And not all of your thoughts are your thoughts. Not all of the emotions that you feel are your emotions. Sometimes thoughts and emotions are introduced to you and you can either embrace them or not. And depending on how you do that, will actually determine how much you access the things of the Spirit. Both things from God and things from the enemy. We can get into that, but I think you guys get it. So as we set our mind on the things above, our focus actually alters our perspective, and we experience more and more of the heavenly realms on a regular basis. Now, Matthew 18.3 says, uh, unless you humble yourself and become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, kids, you tell them, you tell them, there's an elephant behind the stage. They're going to go, Oh my gosh, there's an elephant behind the, st- like they believe you and they get back to there and they're not going to go, there's no elephant. They're going, there's an elephant because they have not, their brain doesn't go, mm, that's not factual. They don't start using science to figure out if you're lying to them or not. They believe they have childlike faith and that's what we need in order to access the things of the spirit in our minds the Lord showed me this uh, years ago, that the access, like the tunnel between the, the mind and the spirit, is your imagination. And children don't have that shut down. That's why they make believe is easy for them and hard for us. The reality is that the, <clears throat> the spiritual realm is actually more real than, than the physical realm. If I told you right now, if I took uh, this chair here. Oh, gosh. If I took this chair here and I said, there's an angel standing on that chair, you would all go, cool. If I took this chair and I suspended it in the air and I said, there's an angel holding this chair and I'm going to let go, you would say, I'm about to see a miracle. One of these days, that's going to work. <laughs> and we're all going to go, oh, gosh. <laughs> but we don't actually believe that, that the metaphysical spiritual realm is more real than the physical, which is one of the reasons why we don't see a lot of the healings that we believe that we can have. Because if you put, you put something more dense than that chair on it, it's going to crash like an angel. 
So we have to actually reject doubt and, and skepticism. We have to, uh, our brain actually gets in the way of us uh, accessing these things and enjoying what is what has been paid for us and what's, what's made for us. The Lord showed it to me one time. <clears throat> you know when a, a baseball player hits the ball wrong and he cracks the bat, and there's that crazy shard that's left there. There's like a weapon. The Lord showed me uh, a bat like that and said doubt on it, <clears throat> and it was stuck in my own forehead. Now imagine if that was true. Let's say, let's say I did it to Brecca, and I, I took that shard literally, and I stuck it in her head. And I said, can you do this math test? Do you think she could focus on anything but that shard in her head? Absolutely not. Even if it was just simple addition, add these, these numbers together. I can't. There's a shard of bat in my head. <laughs> That's how doubt is. When you have doubt, like if you, if you lack faith or you have doubt in your life, unbelief, that's all you can focus on. Somebody can give you the coolest story about God breaks in financially, and you're like, yeah, but not with me. God heals everyone but me. And you're like, Eeyore spirit, go out in Jesus' name. <laughs> there are a couple of moments in Scripture where uh, we are encouraged to have kind of caution around the angelic uh, realm. 2 Corinthians uh, 11, Paul says that Satan goes around like an angel. Edit, save. Satan goes around as an angel of light. And so he's like, don't, don't be deceived. You know, Satan can kind of do this thing. Um, and then in 1 Kings 13, there's actually a prophet, an old prophet that has an, says at least that he had an angelic encounter uh, and this is, it's a whole crazy story, but has this inc- angelic encounter, tells a young prophet to do something that is contrary to what the Lord had told him. And uh, the, the young prophet disobeys, but obeys the, the old prophet. And it says, but that prophet lied. And so th- there is a, we have to be careful because people can say, I have this angelic encounter, blah, blah, blah. And they're just blowing smoke. But those two, and maybe a few others, are the overwhelming minority of what it says about the uh, angelic realm. There's so many cool angelic stories in the Bible that would blow your mind. Okay, I want to explain what seeing in the Spirit is like, because it's actually really important to realize that seeing in the Spirit is not the same as seeing with your eyes. Okay, let me give you an example. Everybody close your eyes. Remember when they were all standing on the stage just a few minutes ago? Okay, now open your eyes. Can you still kind of see them on the stage? That's what seeing in the spirit is somewhat like. It's like it's like seeing using your memory. Does that make sense? And so it's it's maybe it's not as real, but it really is there. And the more that you actually embrace it, even as faint as it is, you'll develop your seeing gift and all of a sudden you start to see it, and people are like, I was talking to somebody this weekend. I was telling them about uh, these angels I saw at their house. And they're like, you see angels? I was like, yeah, they're right there. And, and people automatically think, this guy's eyes are open to the spiritual realm. Why does he still wear glasses? <laughs> because it has nothing to do with your eyeballs has to do with the eyes of your heart. 
And actually opening up to the, the spiritual realm and seeing these things is an act of your will to experience that realm. It says in Hebrews 5 that it's through reason of use or practice that we, dis, that we learn to discern good and evil. Now, true discernment, when you, people are like, oh, I have the discernment of spirits. And they think that the discernment of spirits is, I can feel evil spirits when they're in the room. And they think that, that since they know the principality over a city, that they all of a sudden are a prophet to that, that city. And they can, da la 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 that's not, that's not true and full discernment. Discernment. True discernment is seeing what God is doing, not being focused on what the enemy is doing. Because the enemy, okay, all this Ebola stuff going on, this, that's, that's a reaction to what God has already for years been planting and cultivating in Dallas. And then he was like, how can I get the focus off of what God is doing and onto something else that looks like death? Oh, I'll just make sure that Ebola erupts in Dallas. So I go, I go, oh, that's encouraging. We're on, we're on our way. You know, like, some, God's about to do something. Am I making sense here? Now, it, it can come upon you. All of a sudden, like, the Lord opens your eyes and you're like, oh, this is amazing. Or it can be imparted. You remember uh, Elijah in 2 Kings 16, uh, the, his servant is, like, freaking out. Look at all these Warriors, they're going to kill us. And I imagine Elijah going, Lord, open his eyes. Not, not like, oh, God, open his eyes in the name of the Messiah that I don't know his name yet. Because he hasn't come. I'm, I imagine him going, God, open his eyes. And all of a sudden, the guy goes, whoa. There's, bro, this is crazy. So it can be imparted to people. So let's talk about partnering with the angels. I'm a, I got five points on this, and then we're going to do an impartation, then we're going to get out of here. Sound good? So partnering with angels. They are your friends. Angels good. Demons, who cares? The first time I ever saw an angel, <clears throat> I was working at this place called the Marker Board People. Uh, it was a factory, uh, and I would get up way too early and work in this factory and not get paid enough. But I had some incredible encounters with the Lord during that season. And uh, one of them, during my break, I had a 15-minute break, and I was like, I'm going to the darkest room there possibly is in this whole place. Like, pitch black. There was no, no light could get in there at all. I'm just laying there trying to take a nap, and I opened my eyes. And even though it's completely pitch dark in there, like literally no light, I could see this angel floating above me, and I'm like, okay, things just got real. And I did what anybody would ask. Well, what's your name? <laughs> and he said, my name's Max. Disappeared. I'm like, later, Max. What was that all about? I have no idea. But I think he's my angel. When I was at IHOP as a youth counselor one summer, uh, we were doing some deliverance on this girl that we're, we're doing some seminar at some point with the youth and there's some commotion in the back and I was like, what's going on? I don't know. So I was focused on something. Well, they came and got me. They said, Vince, this girl, she's like, she's freaking out. I was like, okay. So I went and talked to her and cast a demon out of her. She comes out of her demonic stupor. Whoa. It looks like here on me. She's like, there's two of you. 
I said, yeah, there's one. He's taller and to my right. She goes, yeah. I was like, that's my angel. Walked, <laughs> walked away like I was the coolest thing. Because <laughs> I felt like it. But I bet that was Max. <clears throat> my mom, I was talking to her today. Texting with her, I want to be honest. I was texting with her. And she has, uh, she's got two angels that she's had uh, following her around since she was 19. Named Homer and Mick. Not like Homer, oh, but like, like Homer, something else. I guess I guess a Homer is like a measurement in the old school time. So, anyways, she's got a whole thing that she could come and teach on with those guys. But uh, since she was a, a teenager, these guys have been following her around and uh, helping her out. When I was at Morningstar, uh, I had this encounter where an angel. I was in prayer. I had to pray for uh, the first year students. I was a second year student. We had to pray for them for an hour a week. That's it. And I turned into just, bless you. Whoa. Um, so I'm, I'm in there praying. Now when I say praying, I mean going like this. And all of a sudden, I feel like, yes, Lord. I feel like something come and touch my forehead like this. I was like, what on earth? And I like, it was like I opened my eyes and in that moment, I saw, like, the smoke of what used to be there kind of, like, disappear. I was like, what was that? And I went to go reach for it, and I went, there is wind coming out of my forehead. And I was like, what? And, like, perfect, right out of my forehead. I was like, what is going on here? And I had just been praying for the uh, students to have a spirit of understanding. So, anyways, I rush out because I'm like, I can physically feel this. Maybe I'm having a weird encounter. No, that feels real. So I rush out, and I grab another intern's hand. I say, what do you feel? She said, you got wind coming out of your forehead. I said, I know. And, like, it, like it, we were all freaked out. I'm like, what was that? So the Lord had to explain it to me. Well, a few months later, I'm going to Denmark to do a trip, and uh, I, start, I feel that same spot start to tingle. I was like, Hello, understanding. Because the Lord had started to teach me what that was, what the angel was, the spirit of understanding. I'm telling you, some of the craziest revelations and understanding came to me while I was preaching in Denmark. We would sit down, uh, my friend Brad and I, we'd sit down. It was a last-minute edition of me coming with him on this trip. We'd get up in the morning. We had 21, yeah, 21 sessions in this conference in four days. I mean, they were hungry for it, but we were tired. So we're sitting there, and Brad would always go, got anything? I said, nope, but I will. And he'd kind of go, okay. And then I, then he'd be preaching and say, you got anything? I said, yep. And I would just, some of the craziest stuff. At one point, I talked about how the alarm of the Lord was coming forth. And in that moment, that exact second that I was preaching, I said, the alarm of the Lord is coming forth. The national uh, warning alarm went off in the entire nation. It only happens once a month at a random time. In the exact moment, I'm like, here comes the alarm of the Lord. And we all just kind of look around like, what was that? So partnering with the angels is also part of us setting our minds on things above. You actually have to decide to, to look for them. I mean, they'll rush upon you if you're like, really, you got a spirit of dumb dumb on you. But 
if all you really, all you have to do is just kind of go, spirit eyes open, and you'll start to recognize them. Oh, there's this over here. Oh, it's over here. I think I can kind of feel it. And it does take some, like, humility to kind of reject the thought of, this is crazy. I'm about to go to the loony bin. Because it is kind of crazy. This house I was at this weekend, um, I was talking about angels, and we're, this this woman <clears throat> at her house, she's she's talking about, she's kind of having a little bit of fear that's going on in her life, and I was saying, yeah, you've got, you got two angels. She's like, I thought so. Like, every time I walk in, I felt like there was something there. I was like, yeah, right there. And she goes, I wonder what their names are. I was like, why don't you just ask? And she's like, I can do that? I was like, yeah. Literally, an hour later, I think I went upstairs, took a shower, came back down. She's like, it's Cyrus, Olivia, and David. I was like, okay. No, it's Cyrus and Olivia. Oh, okay. So there's two of them? Yeah. And so we started to like kind of explore, like, okay, this is what they're doing. And I had an encounter that night where I saw a big old guy sitting on their, on their house. And he's like the protection angel. And uh, she was like, I wonder what his name is. I'm going to go ask. I was like, come on. Like, that's some faith. She was like, I'm going to be a kid about it. And it was so refreshing to see. Now, one of, the, one of the ways that you can actually, like, help them to realize themselves. Now, when I say realize, I mean, like, you become aware of what's going on. Is that you actually just honor their presence. So, like, Yaku, stand up for a second. If Yaku is standing right there, and I want to get over to Shane, I'm not going to walk like this, right? Why? Because that's rude. <laughs> Why you got to be so rude? Um, so, if Yaku was here, I'd go, hey, Yaku, and I'd walk around, right? Now, if, thank you. So, if, if, I, if I recognize that there's an angel somewhere, I don't walk through it unless it's inviting me to stand in it. And there are times that, that there's like, like a portal kind of deal where an angel is standing there and you're like, whoa, this is crazy. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> like, and, and you like feel the anointing of that thing, but only if you're invited into that. Otherwise, don't walk through angels. That's just not nice. So you acknowledge them. Uh, th- this weekend, we would, whenever we left or came into the door, we'd say, hey, Cyrus, Olivia, David, what's going on? Every time we left, every time we came, just so it was like getting in our brains, they're actually there. They're actually here for us to participate with. If you ever get to go over to Joy and Cece's house, they've got angels and they just kind of hang out. Does Philip still hang out at your house? Okay. He went to China with you for a little bit. Oh, Charles. Sorry. I get them mixed up. It's like me and Chuck. People sometimes think we're each other. Last point. Uh, you can actually assign an angel to do a task. And this is a really cool way that you can actually, uh, for long-distance healing, if you know that somebody needs a healing and you've got faith for it, you go, okay, Jesus, I'm asking that you would put an angel over there that, th- that would heal them because I can't get to them. Obviously, the Holy Spirit's the one doing the healing, but sometimes it really helps to, to think of that with an angel attached to it. Because they're they're assistants and they do that kind of thing. There's that angel in the Bible that stirred the water and made healing happen. If we're going to do greater things than Jesus, why not do cool things like that? Another way you can assign angels is uh, to protect your loved ones. You can actually say, all right, I am assigning an angel right now named Larry to my cousin, Rebecca. I'm actually doing this right now. feels good. Ooh.
Um, and you, you assign them, you say, protect her, uh, watch over her, keep evil men and women away from her, put favor on her life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and you actually assign that angel. And because they want to help, they'll go and help. They'll do it. This also works with global intercession uh, issues. If you want something to happen, you assign an angel. And I, I do this pretty regularly. I pray for the, the president that, that he would have uh, understanding and wisdom uh, speaking into his ear that he would make good decisions that are in favor of, of the people of the United States and not just uh, for the political whatever and blah, 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 blah. I'll actually assign angels to, to, uh, to work on his behalf and, and to bless him. We have a lot of authority. We have a lot of things that we can do, and it takes creativity, and it takes, gives you the ability to just do things by faith. How, how fun is that? That way you're, you're not in prayer going, oh, God, I, I guess, oh, that's water everywhere. <laughs> you're not going, pour out the rain, Lord. You're not going, oh, God, I hope that this happens. Uh, you're actually going, all right, <clears throat> you're going to go over there. You're going to do this. You wait four weeks, and then you go over there. All right. Anybody else need an assignment? You need an assignment. Uh, just take care of the demons in the area. All right. Go. We have that authority. We have that authority. All right. You guys inspired? Good. Stand up. I want to pray for us. <clears throat> that the Lord would give you even more understanding and teach you how to do this stuff in your own life. Because it's going to look different for you than it is for me. I mean, you don't have to stand up. I just, that's what preachers do. We tell you to stand up for impartation. Jesus, <clears throat> thank you, thank you, thank you for the angels. Uh, we just, we're so thankful for the assistance that you have uh, given us. We're thankful for the power that you've uh, given to us. I'm asking that you would uh, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding that we would be able to access and understand the angelic realm, that we would be able to partner with what you are doing, and we would have uh, the, the creativity and the imagination to release it. I mean, thank you for the authority that you've given us. God, I'm asking for an increase of angelic encounters and visitations. I'm asking for uh, our eyes to be opened, open the eyes of our hearts and our spirits. Give us more dreams than we've ever had before. God, crack open the dream world. More than we've ever had. Keep those critters away from us while we're doing it. In Jesus' name, amen.